This is Calgary Today with Angela Cocott on News Talk 770 Radio, Calgary's breaking news and conversation station. Good Tuesday afternoon. Hope you're enjoying your day. Not as windy as yesterday. That's nice to see. And as Darcy mentioned, what, tomorrow we're going to get to 31. Very nice. This topic came out of a conversation that we had a couple of weeks ago, and we've done a few shows on the wage gap between genders. And invariably, whenever we are talking about that, you text me and call me and say, well, and, you know, we're never going to have 50-50 when it comes to gender equality in some jobs. And you often raise the, the traditional jobs, the, the firefighter, the nurses, the teachers. They just lend themselves, or so we think they lend themselves, to specific genders. Or do they? When we look at jobs, are we, in a way, stereotyping the jobs? Looking at a job and saying that job, not so much the gender, but that job is specifically for that particular gender. Are you following me? Well, you will after you listen to my conversation with Laura Doring. She's assistant professor of strategy and organization, McGill University. Hello, Laura. Hello, Angela. Thank you for having me. I'm glad you've conducted this study, and I want to pick your brain on it a little bit more, because I think we we often think of the the stereotypes between men and women, and we don't look specifically at a job stereotype. So you've got to tell me what you were looking at when it came to your research. Sure, absolutely. Um, So as you mentioned, you know, we all tend to think about certain jobs with certain genders. You know, you gave the example of thinking of firefighters as men. We can also think of, you know, preschool teachers as tending to be women. Um, But what my co-author and I were curious about was, you know, how does it come to be this way? Why is it that we come to think of certain jobs as having masculine or feminine stereotypes? And then what kinds of consequences does this have for the individuals who are performing those jobs? How do you go about finding that? Because some of these stereotypes and the the jobs, they've been around for so long. So you've got to tell me about how you were trying to figure out the the stereotypes and the jobs and how it all happened. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, that's a great question. And it is a really difficult thing to study for exactly the reason that you're saying most jobs we already tend to associate with one gender or another. So what we did was to look at a job that did not yet have a strong gender association. Um, And this is a a very particular job. It was a commercial microfinance loan manager in Central America. Um, And the reason why this was an interesting job to look at um, was that in this region, the microfinance loan manager job was relatively new and it was gender balanced in its composition. It was about 50-50 men and women. Um, And the nature of commercial microfinance also makes it a bit more gender ambiguous. So microfinance is associated with the financial industry, which is traditionally masculine. But microfinance also has this legacy of social service and poverty alleviation, which are more uh, feminine stereotyped activities. Um, So this really gave us a job where um, the clients who were first interacting with their loan officers didn't really have a strong sense of whether this was, quote unquote, a man's job or a woman's job. So it lent really well 
to looking at what happened when the first manager who clients interacted with was a man or a woman and how they proceeded to engage with future men and women who were filling that position. Okay, this is this is pretty interesting. So, and first of all, microfinance. So it's just those small loans to get people um, into exactly. some small little businesses. All right. So you've got a microfinance loan manager who will then mm-hmm. let's start as a man and clients are coming to this male microfinance manager did they have any preconceived conceptions of the fact that this man is in this position? Right. So the reason why we had selected this job was that clients didn't really have any strong preconceived conceptions about, you know, whether it was a man's job or a woman's Mm -hmm. job. But what we were very interested um, and in some ways surprised to find was how quickly clients came to treat the job as if it were a man's job, quote unquote, or a woman's job. Um, So we measured clients' behavior when they were arbitrarily switched from one manager to another. So for instance, they might start with a male manager and be switched to a female manager, start with a female manager and be switched to a male manager. Um, And so this really allowed us to see how clients' behavior changed when, you know, everything else essentially stayed the same but it was just the manager's gender who changed that changed. And what we found was that it only took interacting with one initial male manager or one initial female manager to change how clients treated their subsequent manager. So if they were first paired with a woman, they gave the next manager less authority, regardless of whether that next manager was a man or a woman. Does it matter what the client was? Were you looking at, is the client a man or a woman? You know, that's so interesting because we thought that there might be an effect of of client gender that, you know, perhaps women and men would behave differently, but we did not find any differences. Both Mm. men and women um, were engaging in in this biased sort of behavior. Um, But what actually did matter quite a bit um, was the sort of authority level that male managers experienced. So again, this is the same position, um, male managers stepping in to fill a role that clients associated with men versus a role that clients associated with women Mm -hmm. based on their first managers, um, they received very different levels of authority. So when a male manager was stepping into a position that clients associated with men, the clients uh, were, were very compliant and gave that manager a high degree of authority. But when men stepped in to fill positions that had previously been filled by women and who client, that clients associated with women, um, clients treated that male manager with much less authority. Um, and so we think this is, you know, in some ways pretty important because we often think about gender bias as essentially being, uh, you know, a phenomenon that negatively affects women. Um, But what this research suggests is that gender bias at work can also disadvantage men if they're filling female-typed or sort of female-stereotyped roles. Uh, Laura, you have to tell us, though, how you measured a high or a low degree of authority, because that's, that's pretty interesting as well in your study. Oh, absolutely. So because this was microfinance, you know, borrowers have to make their payments uh, on a monthly basis. And so to measure authority, we looked at borrowers' missed payment rates. And the reason why we did this is because in this context, making a payment on time 
signals that the borrower views his or her manager as someone who has legitimate authority and whose instructions need to be followed. Whereas, you know, in contrast, if, you know, if you miss a payment, that signals that the borrowers feel the borrower feels that you know they can perhaps slack off a little bit with this manager, um, and you know that the manager lacks the the authority in in the client's eyes to secure their compliance. Okay, this is this is very interesting. So I want to take a break here, but afterwards, as you said, you managed to find what you thought was a, a role that was fairly new that didn't come with any attached gender bias. I want to find out after the break, though, how we turn that around then, especially with careers that have been around a long time. And as I said, the firefighters, the nurses, the teachers. Laura Doring is my guest. She is assistant professor of strategy and organization at McGill University. Back with Laura after this. And we are just uh, talking about gender stereotypes, but really looking at stereotypes of jobs, job stereotypes. And Laura Doring is with the McGill University Assistant Professor of Strategy and Organization and, and just wanted to sort of figure out how all these stereotypes began. And Laura, I, I'm in the end, who do we really blame? Do we, and maybe it's not so easy just to point the finger at one person, but is it is it society as a whole where this has all happened? Right. I think, you know, I don't know that there's one particular institution that we can blame for this. I think one thing that we know for sure is that we're all guilty of it. Um, So I don't think it, I don't think it, you know, is, is so useful to necessarily point fingers. Um, But I think there are things that, that we can do to try to minimize the effects of these bias, these biases, particularly at work. And so that's in some ways, that's, that's what I try to, to focus on when I think about these results. Just to to sort of raise awareness of it and so mm-hmm. that we're aware of our own biases when we are looking at someone in a particular career. Because as you said, it's just not difficult on women. It It is also difficult on men then, especially in your example of the microfinance person, because if that female manager was your first point of contact, people have already treated her differently. And then a male manager comes in and they're still looking at it as a woman's job. That's exactly right. And I think that's one of the most important takeaways of the study is that these gender biases that we often think of as affecting women negatively, uh, almost exclusively, we see that they they also have negative impacts uh, on men. And and I think even in this conversation, because I, I right away I'm getting the texts about, you know, women don't want to be heavy duty mechanics. Women, that's why we'll never, ever see 50-50 or 50% gender equality. And, and I, I don't think anyone is short-sighted to think that that's going to be perfect when every occupation out there, it's 50% men and 50% women. There is always going to be... Um, a heavier weighted to one gender over another on certain occupations, isn't there? Well, I think you can see, you know, shifts over time um, in certain occupations. I don't know that it's necessarily the case that any occupation, you know, will always be male-dominated or, or female-dominated. Um, for instance, you know, Right now, we can see that there's there's really rapid growth in the healthcare industry, particularly for for aging populations. And you know, healthcare and care work in general 
is a field that has traditionally been dominated um, by women. But as we see, you know, now that there's more demand for these sorts of jobs, we do see more men entering this field. So I think, you know, it does in some ways fluctuate just with, with demand in the economy, even though there are some real growing pains, you know, when men and women enter, uh, enter fields that are dominated by another gender. And, and I think no matter what, if it's a man or a woman, there's going to be physical limitations. I mean, I had one texter say uh, about being a firefighter, and we've got female firefighters, but they still have to, whether you're a guy or a woman or a guy, you're going to have to meet certain physical requirements. And I think that's something that no matter what our biases are, that still is going to affect the percentage of men or women in a particular occupation. Yeah, I think that's absolutely true. You know, there's in some ways the, the those physical limitations, as you're saying, are always going to be there. Yeah. I think what I would encourage, you know, among employers is to think about ways that they can minimize the bias that we know is happening in these positions. So, you know, one way that employers can do this is by actively endorsing workers who might experience authority penalties. And this would be, you know, really emphasizing workers' value in front of anyone who might need to to comply with their instructions. So just to give an example, um, a hospital administrator at a staff meeting might talk about the importance of nurses, you know, which is a sort of a more female-typed role uh, by encouraging, you know, physicians and other staff members to follow nurses' suggestions and respect their professional abilities. And so such endorsements from really high-status individuals in in a company or in an institution can nudge people towards more equitable treatment of workers who are who are in these female typed roles. Um, so I think you know by using strategies like that, we can minimize some of the the bias that really isn't related to to performance, but is just sort of gender stereotypes that we carry around. Yeah, and and I think it goes both ways because I know in that example we're thinking of nurses and it's predominantly women. Um, But even when you you touched on the preschool teacher as well and Mm -hmm. how, you know, you want to try to encourage more men into that role, there's there's a whole bunch of other reasons why we aren't seeing men going into elementary or preschool as well. But um, I think, as you say, if you can sort of focus on the fact that you're giving these positions, whether they be male or female, stereotypes, they still have to have the same level of authority. I think that's that's absolutely right, because, you know, at the end of the day, whether it's, you know, a female firefighter or a male preschool teacher, we want everyone to be given the, you know, the respect and the authority that they deserve, you know, based on their on their performance and their abilities and not based on their own gender or the gender that people tend to associate with their job. Um, so I think, you know, there are steps that, that employers can take that are really good, good for everyone. Yeah. Um, and so I think it's, it's helpful to think about these gender biases, not so much as a, as a, a woman's problem, quote unquote, but really as something that has the potential to affect all of us. Um, and I think, you know, in some ways that makes it even more of a, a pressing issue. Yeah. Uh, Laura, thanks for this. 
Thank you so much for having me. Laura Doring, she is Assistant Professor of Strategy and Organization at McGill University. Calgary Today with Angela Cocott, weekdays at 3 on News Talk 770 Calgary.